My name is Shrub Saran, and this is a podcast series where I explore the life of musicians on and off stage. I'm making this series to ask what it means to be a musician today in the hopes that I can better understand what we do and why we choose to do it. Hello, and welcome to another Q&A podcast episode where I'll be answering some of the burning questions that you have for me. Here we go. M. Miller asks, how to practice guitar for someone who started later in life, in brackets, early 20s. It's overwhelming. I think you're right. Learning the guitar as an adult can be pretty overwhelming because typically we teach adults similar to how we teach kids. But I think for the guitar especially, that can sometimes be a mistake. As a kid, you need the instrument to inform your young and still growing musical tastes. So whatever you play on the guitar as a kid is exciting because it's all new and to a certain degree, your taste in music level matches your skill level on the instrument. But as an adult who's been listening to music for many, many years, listening especially for guitar parts in songs, your taste in music is far above your ability on the instrument. So the best way to learn the guitar at that stage is to simply learn songs. I will never tell anyone not to learn scales and all the possible chord shapes in theory and stuff. But as an adult, just learn the songs you like, whether it's off of YouTube or tabs online. Initially, it doesn't matter if you know all the names of the chords or even the notes you're playing. Just learn the shapes that make the sounds that excite you. Once you start playing things that make you want to pick up the instrument every day, then you can go into the finer details of what it is that you're doing. Another tip I would give is, feel free to experiment and be really wrong. Take a chord shape and move it around the neck a couple of frets up or a couple of frets down. Include the open strings and see if they sound really pretty or really ugly. One of my favorite voicings is the C major shape one of the first chords we all learn on the guitar. Take that chord and simply move it up two frets. You're now playing a D add four add nine chord, but that doesn't really matter too much. What matters is that you now know this extra beautiful voicing that's just fun to mess around with. Now try moving the lowest note around, maybe take your third finger off and play it with an open A string, or move the bottom note and play the third fret instead of the fifth fret. They're all good possibilities that make you want to explore. CDPMN asks, how do you analyze styles and genres without losing their magic? So like many, many musicians, I started playing wedding gigs soon after becoming a working musician. And the biggest task on a wedding gig is to be able to play a countless number of styles of music convincingly in one night. You're playing jazz standards at cocktail hours, Motown classics and old swing songs early in the evening, and by the end of the night you're playing rock, country and pop music. But even though you're playing all these varied musical styles, you're not exactly spending time with each one of them and extracting the richness of these musical traditions. You're mostly just trying to make it through the night by playing the right feel and mostly the right notes. A sure shot way to have genres lose their magic is to have a surface level understanding of them, which sometimes can happen on things like wedding gigs if you're not being careful and just trying to get through them without learning anything new. And the best way to discover the magic in any style 
is to spend time with it. Learn the intricacies of the parts and the time fields, regardless of how easy or complex they may seem on the surface. One of my side musician gigs is playing pops concerts with symphony orchestras around the country. If you follow me on Instagram, which please do if you haven't already, you'll see that I do a lot of traveling and sometimes when I post pictures of beautiful concert halls, it's usually for these gigs. There are a few shows that I'm a part of within the orchestra world, but I've learned a ton by playing the music of Motown show. The guitar parts aren't intricate on the surface, and a lot of times I'm just playing beats two and four with the snare drum. But there's so much beauty in how the guitar fits into the mix of these records. It's truly a rhythm instrument, and being locked into the drums is my most important role. Instead of getting tired of playing the same songs with the similar guitar parts, I try to be as locked in as I possibly can, playing with as much meditative focus as I can bring. Once I started doing that, I started discovering just how deep these guitar parts and how incredibly deep these records can get. The short answer is, dig deep and no genre will ever lose its magic. Avery Dernan asks, what software slash equipment do you use to record? Is it all mixed and done by you? I typically use Logic Pro to record and demo all my ideas. Songs typically start with small guitar ideas, and then I'll demo them out on Logic with virtual instruments and MIDI instruments. I'll then replace instruments in Logic or in Pro Tools if the studio we're recording in runs in Pro Tools, like it did for the drum recording session for English. I'll do all the editing in Pro Tools for things recorded in Pro Tools and then export it back into Logic for more editing and production because I'm just more comfortable producing in Logic. Finally, when I'm done with the song, I'll export it back out to Pro Tools as consolidated audio stems because mix engineers typically mix in Pro Tools. When I record my guitar, I use a DI box so I can record clean into my computer, and then from the DI box, out of the through signal, I send that to my amp so I can also mic my amp as well. Once I have both the DI and mic'd amp signal, I'll add a virtual amp on Logic and then blend the two signals. I don't mix my albums and leave that to better people with better ears. My good friend and mix engineer Pran Bandy mixed all the songs on English and it was mastered by Kevin Reeves. I am, however, mixing some new live in the studio videos myself that will be coming out very, very soon. Priyanka Thomas asks, how do you approach expressing yourself versus creating what your audience wants to hear slash resonates with? So like probably every other topic on this podcast, I'm going to say you have to do both. Express yourself and create music for your audiences. Both those things I think are equally important. It just depends on the situation. First off, if you're hired to play a wedding gig, like in the previous question, and people want to dance, have a good time, and possibly drink too much while jumping up and down, but you feel like playing an extended ballad with a long guitar solo, you might be in the wrong here. 
Or if you're playing light music while people sip cocktails and your only purpose is to film score their conversations and fill their awkward silences, it really hurts me to say, but you need to give them that too. If you're being hired for a job as a musician, you have to fulfill the requirements of that job, however sometimes soul-sucking that may be. But when it comes to making original music or putting out new things, I really believe that audiences don't know what they want. Which is great, not in a bad way. When I think about my favorite bands and artists, musicians who I became zealously obsessed with, they make music I didn't know I wanted, or music I didn't know was possible until I heard the artist. And then after hearing them, my life was forever changed. So the audience, to a certain degree, doesn't know what they resonate with, really. And it's our job as musicians to take them somewhere new. Also, I think we want our musical heroes to be authentically and unapologetically themselves. Even though art is very much made for people, people want the art to serve itself. I don't think I want to listen to an artist who's trying to make music that suits my tastes because I don't know my own tastes as well as I think I do. The most interesting artists are the ones who don't compromise on what they do. Ironically, those are the kind of artists most audiences end up truly loving in the long term, I think. Sing Suyash 29 asks, What was your influence for the song Mother Tongue Influence? Mother Tongue Influence, or MTI as it's sometimes known, is a term to describe the influence of local, usually non-Western, non-English speaking accents on the English language. And neutralizing MTI, which is learning to change your accent to make it more American or British, is a form of training that is especially used in places like call centers in India and around the world that service clients who live in the English-speaking parts of the West. I wrote the song as a bit of an acceptance of myself and my background and my strange hybrid third culture plus Indian plus American accent and how my Indianness influences the music I make and the English that I speak. The first three episodes of this podcast are actually about these themes, and especially episode three called Language, if you'd like to check that out. Musically, when I wrote the song, I was listening to a lot of Rajasthani folk music. Which is really apparent in the big choruses of the song. But I was also listening to a lot of Ganawa music from Morocco. Which I actually discovered around the time that I was writing this album. Something about the rhythms in this music are so haunting. And the time feel is virtually impossible to capture in a digital audio workstation with a grid. And what I started realizing was that maybe this logic grid that I'm so dependent on might be stopping me from writing and creating music that doesn't necessarily subscribe to this grid, which is a lot of styles of music. So instead, I used a portion of a great drummer named Karim Ziad's Ganawa Time Feel from a YouTube video that I found as the metronome for the song, and then built the demo around that. One, two, three, 
The first thing that came after the drum loop was my guitar part, which was originally a series of arpeggios played very straight. Here's a voice note off that original part from April 2020 that I turned into this more swung triplet Ganawa feel. The rest of the track, including the bass, keys, and saxophone melody, was built around that initial part. But part of the idea of this song is that I don't actually know how to play the Ganawa feel like how it's actually supposed to feel. In a way, it was me trying to imitate a musical accent with my own MTI. So we needed to bring on someone who could steer all of us in the right direction. I got the incredible percussionist Gilbert Mansour to lay down the actual metronome that we'd all play off of. With that, we recorded the drums to his percussion part. And I also triggered some more percussion layers to his recorded parts. I even went a step further and using a noise gate, I gated my synthesizers to his parts so that they all locked in and had the same time feel. I didn't want logic or the clock in my synths to influence the original Ganawa feel at all. Our metronome for the song was a human being, ebbing and flowing with time, just like humans do. The big choruses for the song reminded me of a film sequence from the 90s or early 2000s Bollywood. I wanted a big, bombastic, really groovy unison melody that makes you just want to dance and clap really loudly on all the downbeats. Towards the end of the song, the final chords start to reflect the song that comes right before this in the album called M.O.S. And the last melody is actually the melody off MOS. MOS, or Middle of Somewhere, is one of the first songs I wrote and recorded under my own name back in maybe 2012, which also features on an EP I recorded back in college. Thank you very much for sending in these amazing questions. I may not get to every question in every episode, but I definitely do read every single question and email and will make sure I answer some version of your question in a future episode. So please keep sending me these great questions on Instagram, Facebook, or you can email me at info at My new album, English, has been out for over seven months. Thank you so much for all the listening, streaming, and sharing. And if you haven't heard it yet, it's streaming wherever you stream music. Finally, I have a lot of new things coming out over the next few weeks. So if you'd like to stay updated on all that stuff, you can follow me on Instagram 
And if you don't have Instagram because you lead a healthy and balanced life, then you can join my mailing list on my website. See you in two weeks. Oh, 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 oh,